0: The Civil Air Patrol, founded in December 1941 as a national defense service during World War II, evolved into an auxiliary wing of the U.S. Air Force. According to an article in The Nation in February 1948, quote, The National Civil Air Patrol admits that some sort of plan using the Civil Air Patrol for espionage work is now in the tentative stage and is awaiting the approval of U.S. Central Intelligence and FBI. The plan released by the Pennsylvania wing indicated the organization was getting set to send selected Civil Air Patrol recruits to the Army Counterintelligence School at Holibert Signal Depot, Baltimore, Maryland. It declared that these recruits would be taught the Russian language, Russian military tactics, Russian politics, and all characteristics of the Russian people." End quote. Oswald was enrolled in the Civil Air Patrol. And then, coincidentally, traveled to the Soviet Union for two and a half years and worked at a radio factory. Oswald was immediately paid more than anyone else at the factory, including the managers, and was given a luxury apartment in Minsk overlooking a river. Oswald said his inflated salary was the result of a Red Cross subsidy, but wrote in his journal that the exorbitant salary was paid by the MVD, the Russian secret police. While working at the radio factory, Lee was taught Russian by Stanislav Shushkevich, who describes Oswald as, quote, He never asked questions, never talked about where he had lived or how he had found himself in Europe. He never talked. He carried out his instructions, we carried out our instructions. I wouldn't believe it now either if it hadn't happened to me personally. I got the impression that he was a very calm person, he produced the impression of a hard working man. He never showed any emotion. I think everything bored him at the factory. I never saw him get excited about anything or show interest in anything. No, he was pretty calm. End quote. Speaking about the assassination, Stanislav says, quote, I don't think it was his work. It is my absolute conviction that they found a passive, calm, compliant boy and used him as the guilty one. As for the conclusions of the Warren Commission, I don't believe them one bit. End quote. Warren commissioners themselves didn't believe their own published conclusions either, and J. Edgar Hoover knew from video and audio recordings that Oswald sometimes wasn't Oswald at all. Alfredo Scobie, a lawyer working with the Warren Commission, wrote a relevant memo detailing how difficult it would have been to make a legal case against Lee Harvey Oswald and what function a hasty Warren report could have served. After the shooting, the Dallas Police Department did not obtain a search warrant for Mrs. Payne's residence, where Mrs. Oswald was staying after the shooting. The DPD searched the Payne residence anyway, and despite Marina being a resident at the house, quote, it is not at all clear that she gave consent to a search, or that she in any way understood what her rights and those of her husband were, end quote, which would render the blanket found at that house and used for fiber analysis inadmissible in court. Another glaring legal hole would have been Marina Oswald herself. Much of the testimony and direct evidence against Lee Harvey is personally tied to and entirely dependent on the testimony of Marina Oswald. There are two problems with her testimony. One, under Texas law, only helpful testimony and no hurtful testimony can be entered into evidence by a wife against her husband. And two, Marina constantly and repeatedly contradicted her own testimony. The assassination attempt on Walker happened according to Marina, as well as the threat against Nixon. No one else can corroborate those stories. Marina is the only witness who identified the rifle as belonging to Lee Harvey, and Marina provided the story as to where the rifle was kept, in a friend's garage, a friend who never saw the rifle in their garage for the months it was taken from and stored there by Lee, according to his wife. Marina is also the only link between a blue jacket and Lee Harvey Oswald. Marina identified his white shirt. The photographs Lee was said to have asked Marina to take. A camera Marina alone produced is said to have taken the photos. Marina is the only link between Oswald and the name Heidel, the name the rifle was purchased under. The clothes and rifle could not legally have been linked to Oswald by his wife under Texas law, and even if a loophole could have been found or a charge forced through, this single witness continually made such fantastically contradictory statements that none of her testimony could be considered credible by any stretch of the imagination. The testimony of Marina Oswald is so contradictory that the House-Senate Committee on Assassinations had to write a 29-page memo entitled, quote, Marina Oswald Porter's Statements of a Contradictory Nature This is the caliber of the witness tying almost all direct evidence to Lee Harvey Oswald. Marina told the Warren Commission that she, quote, never wanted to go back to Russia, end quote. She told the FBI that she had, quote, thought about going back to Russia, end quote, and told the Secret Service that she had, quote, on several occasions expressed her desire to return to Russia, end quote. Marina told the Warren Commission she was fired for her anti-Soviet views. She also told the FBI she was fired for not picking up her membership card. Marina said that Lee beat her, and a family friend, George de Schilt, never knew about it. She also gave testimony, saying that Lee was personally reprimanded by Morinchilt in front of her at length for beating her. Marina testified that Oswald wore dirty clothes, refused to put on clean shirts, and she was so ashamed to be seen with him that she would cry. At the Clay Shaw trial, Marina testified that Lee ordinarily wore clean clothing, and quote, If he had to go downtown, you know, he always changed clothes. He wore a fresh shirt or suit, end quote. She told the Secret Service she had no knowledge of Lee going to Mexico City, told the FBI that she, quote, did not know anything about any trip that Oswald may have made to Mexico City, end quote. Then told the Warren Commission five weeks later, in February, quote, I knew that Lee would go to Mexico City, end quote that Lee had told her his plans in August, and she was aware that Lee wanted to go from Mexico to Cuba. Marina recalls on April 10th that Lee lost his job, recalls that Lee lost his job after April 10th, recalls that Lee did not come home for supper on April 10th, and that on April 10th, Lee came home at the usual time. Concerning photos taken of the Walker house that Oswald took, according to his wife, Marina found those photographs while she was cleaning his room. Marina also claims to have found the photographs when she discovered Lee burning the photos in the bathroom, and also that Lee had shown her the photographs one morning when he was sitting on the sofa, and that's how she found out about them, at which point she told him to destroy the evidence. As for the backyard photographs with Lee holding the rifle, Marina said on different occasions that she was given one photograph that she gave everything to the DPD, that the DPD had missed two photographs, and that she had destroyed the photographs at the suggestion of Marguerite Oswald, Lee's mother. Marina told the Warren Commission that she saw ammunition around their house on Neely Street and told the FBI that, quote, she had never seen any ammunition around the houses in which they lived, end quote. Marina says that she had seen Oswald's pistol twice, that she had only seen Lee's pistol when she took his picture in the backyard, and that, quote, she never saw a pistol that Lee owned, end quote. Marina says that Lee's rifle was two years old, and that he had owned it in Russia, and also that she was very angry when he had bought it in Dallas, and that she saw the Russian rifle in the Payne house, and that Oswald didn't have a rifle in Dallas, but she did see a rifle in New Orleans and also she saw a rifle in Dallas. Marina said that Lee had told her he was going to target practice, and that Lee, quote, had never told her that he was going to practice with his rifle or any other firearm, end quote. And she, quote, cannot recall that he ever practiced firing the rifle either in New Orleans or in Dallas, end quote. And also that Lee told Marina that he had practiced in a field near Dallas, and that he also told her in January 1963 that he had been practicing with his rifle. Marina said that Lee's rifle, quote, did not have a scope on it, end quote, and that, quote, he always had the telescope, end quote, and that she did not know the rifle had a scope, and said that she did not know rifles could have scopes until she saw a rifle with a scope on TV. Marina says Lee joined the Free Play for Cuba committee after he lost his job. Also, on the same day he lost his job. And he also joined the Fair Play for Cuba committee before he lost his job. Marina said of Lee, quote, He never gave me any money. We would go shopping together, and he would make all the payments. I never had any pocket money of my own. End quote. She also said that she went shopping after Lee took the bus that she had to buy last-minute groceries, and that she lost a purse containing ten dollars Lee had given her. Marina says that the evening before the JFK assassination, Lee Harvey was, quote, very upset, sleepless, tense, end quote, and also on that evening that, quote, he didn't seem to be particularly excited or agitated, end quote. Marina says that the Dallas Police Department forgot to take Lee's wedding ring with them and forgot it on their bureau. She also testifies that the Dallas Police Department took the wedding ring and she did not find it on the bureau. Marina, as a witness, even if she were allowed to testify, could never have been relied upon in actual legal proceedings. As far as other witnesses go, despite hundreds of people on the street and working in the same building, Scobie points out that there are no eyewitnesses placing Oswald at the 6th floor Texas School Book Depository window. Co-workers and eyewitnesses in the Texas School Book Depository who ran down the back stairwell at the same time Oswald is supposed to have been running down the stairwell from the 6th floor did not see or hear anyone else in the stairwell. Three other co-workers place Oswald on the 1st floor having lunch minutes before JFK was shot and a Dallas Police Department officer found Oswald calmly drinking a coke on the second floor of the Texas School Book Depository after the police began investigating the shooting. Helena Markham, an eyewitness to Lee Harvey Oswald shooting Dallas Police Department Officer J.D. Tibbet described Oswald as heavy and having bushy hair. She was hysterical during her interview, and made multiple incorrect statements about the shooting and scene, according to the other witnesses on the street, and only picked Oswald out of a directed lineup after being administered sedatives and after seeing Oswald on TV. Markham is the primary witness linking Oswald to Tippett's murder. Other details, such as how Oswald transported the rifle, the lack of fingerprints on the rifle, The latent fingerprints on the boxes in the Texas School Book Depository would have made it difficult to prosecute Oswald for either murder the Warren Commission decided he committed on November 22nd. Scobie points out that the Warren Report historically "...displays the wealth of detail without which an understanding of the environment and background of the tragedy is impossible." Lacking any complete story, What is the function of such a report? According to Scobie, the Warren Report, has both here and abroad cleared away a fog of speculation which could have induced unfortunate international tensions. It has made a real contribution in the difficult area of proving a negative. No foreign communist state. No internal extremist society. No atmosphere of hate and prejudice for which every American might have to bear a share of guilt contributed to the event. Quote. This reasoning dovetails well with the sentiments of J. Edgar Hoover and President Lyndon Johnson at the time. Johnson told Earl Warren that they must avoid the threat of nuclear war that may erupt if Castro or Khrushchev were held responsible. Hoover told a White House aide that, quote, "The thing I am concerned about is having something issued so that we can convince the public that Oswald is the real assassin." end quote.